Down, but I don't exactly know when we go live. Hello, <laughs> welcome back. It is uh, Tuesday, May. Is it May twelfth? I think it's May twelfth. Yes, it is May twelfth. Thank you, guest. Uh, this is the Morning Brushback Podcast. Thanks for being here. I am your co-host Dan Blewett. I'm here remotely by way of Chicago by my co-host Bobby Stevens. Robert, how you doing? Dan, I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm phenomenal phenomenal <laughs> and our guest today is my former business partner current um strength coach and just multi-faceted human lucas cook how what are you sir do? what I'm doesn't great. he do well if you don't know lucas cook we were the duo i'm wearing our old uh warbird shirt yeah, um right, yeah lucas is a strength coach in central illinois also a phenomenal hitting coach also phenomenal self-taught graphic designer which I mean, he designed this shirt. He designed uh, my book covers. Uh, you've done logos for the, lots the of different companies now. The Morning Brushback logo? The Morning Brushback logo. Yep, that's an obvious one that I forgot. Um, so we, I've always looked good thanks to Lucas. Lucas basically right. clothes me in graphic design. So That's right. Um, which is an underrated part of business. Basically, if your business has really bad logoing and branding, just like be ready to kind of go under. I mean, how do you feel about that, Lucas? How important uh, is branding and logos? Well, it's like, it's insane. And it's like the, I really think it's the only thing that matters. I was talking to my brother about this the other day because he, like years ago, he had aspirations of opening a brewery and that mm-hmm. was kind of when that's what every single person in the world wanted to do. And now with coronavirus, all of these breweries are going under. And so he's like, oh man, like now might be a good time to pounce on some cheap, you know, equipment and stuff. And we were talking about it. And I was just kind of picking his brain on like why, because I don't like, I drink Budweiser. So my beer tastes are pretty, you know. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Uh, and so I was like, what makes one company more successful than another? And he was like, entirely marketing, 100%. I was like, damn. Or like, yeah. I get those stupid Instagram ads all the time. All those products are like cheap Chinese products. And they all are just marketed really well with cool graphic design. Well, what's and a better slogan than "King of Beers"? Exi- like, Bobby, I don't want this the is my entire point. I don't want the prince. The drunkest, the, the drunkest beer, the drunkiest beer. Yeah. Like, like, oh, this is the the Sultan of beers. No, I get. Well, I have a lot of friends from Wisconsin, and they all drink Miller. And their argument is always like, "Well, we have the champagne of beers," and I was like, "That's stupid as hell." I don't want to drink champagne. Yeah, Champagne's going to, yeah. That's a Dain- brunch beer. Dainty. It's dainty. It's not, it's not <laughs> your everyday, send your everyday, like get home from work, try and stave it's off. It's not an industrial day. beer. Lucas says, I just put in 11 hours of the coal mine and I need yeah. to take the edge I'm, off. Hey, I'm, I'm the king, 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 yeah. king of the castle. I spent my day keeping America running. Give me a beer. That's right. Yeah. You don't yes. ask for a Corona. Well, especially not today. Not now. <laughs> um, so for those of you listening, uh, we're live on Twitter slash Periscope. They're basically the same thing. Also YouTube. So hello, if you're joining there, feel free to use the live chat. We're going to have a, a pretty interesting conversation today. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple topics. Number one, should you run with a mask on outside? I'm, this is a very, this is dear to my heart because I get angry when I see people doing this. Number two, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball's reopening plans. We'll have a good discussion about that. Uh, as opposed to a bad, bad discussion, <laughs> tournament <laughs> companies. I think this is a great time for everyone in America to let 
baseball tournament companies go bankrupt and and get just flush us of this stupid system that we've been just stuck with for so long. Oh, let's spend $5,000 a family every weekend to go play four games, maybe get rained out um, and generally have a subpar experience. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to talk about college baseball because Lucas is a college strength coach. Talk a little bit about the the differences because if you haven't been to a college baseball game recently, e- even junior college and Lucas is the, the strength coach for a very strong um, junior college program. Those kids are big and strong. Like they are very formidable humans. Uh, and this has been a, a, a change over many years. I mean, back in the day, maybe like the division one programs where they had a really well-equipped football weight room would be like physically bigger. And, but today it's, Pretty uniform. Let's start there. Lucas, would you agree with that? What's what's the state of college baseball lifting and, and what kind of physicality do you need to play at that level? Yeah, I, like and I, I think I think we are in a little bit of a unique scenario where I where I'm the coach. But I mean, if you were to if they were all just wearing un unbranded t shirts and you walked into our weight room, they look like a D one college baseball. For sure. Team. For sure. Um and and yeah, it's just like it's it's it seems like with every passing year, there's just like a like sixty times keep coming down, exit velos keep going up, and it's it's just like this the like you said the size of I remember you Mark remarked that um, you went to watch them play like a couple years ago, and we're just like what both was, both they shocked. and the team they were playing. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I do think like as much as I'm going to crap on social media and then coming however long this is hour uh there has been like a a a pressure i think on the strength industry to like just be better than it has been over the last you know two decades or whatever um as well as like the increasing level of competition amongst i mean this this is all this stuff is related like the tournament model the showcase model and like the the rise of the showcase player who has really really uh, obvious tools. Maybe you can't play baseball, but yeah, the showcase is just speed, like, but yeah. Yeah. The showcase is just how big and strong and fast can you be? And then does that market to, you know, somebody, um, Oh, sorry. I thought I heard someone talking, but yeah, I, I would say that it's, it's, um, and it's like the, at where I am, it's just like when you are a college athlete, that's the only thing that you do. Like they don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't study all that much. So, uh, they're, they're school spending like, what a waste. Yeah. They, they, if you look at the, <laughs> their, their calendar over the, or like their schedule over the course of a day, it's sleep, eat, lift, and go to practice. That's all they do. It's like, it's kind of like being an Olympic schedule. Yeah. I mean, that's what Bobby, like when Dan was talking a second ago, that's what I was thinking about. It's like, it is very much like college athletes are pros basically. Especially at junior college, because you can really feel like, because I work with Triton Junior College up here a little bit, and I feel like a lot of those guys have half online classes. So at that point, it's like you're on your own time for the online classes. You have to maybe well, show up in person one or two classes a week, and you really, I mean, you've exactly. got plenty of time. Yeah, and even at like bigger D1s, they'll set requirements for your study hours. So you might have to get 10 or 15 hours a week of studying in whereas where we are it's five so there's a lot more laxity in terms of who's dictating their schedule outside of practice and lifting and some of the like a lot of the guys i work with despite sometimes my best intentions will come in and lift two days a week or two days two times a day so it's a lot of lifting 
nice to have some rig. nice to have some dedicated athletes running through the program. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I always tell them is I was like, because I'll have to yell at them for doing you know bicep curls for forty minutes after we got <laughs> done lift, get done lifting, and I'm like, listen, I'd rather have to be pulling on the leash to get them out of the gym rather than the other way around. Yeah. Well, so we're, we're going to come back to, cause I want to talk about specifics on lifting a little bit today. Cause I think, yeah. uh, the at home stuff has kind of drawn my ire personally, like on Instagram where I'm saying, Oh, like here's 11 new variations of stuff that doesn't do anything. Like, so I want to talk about it and get your opinion on what people should be doing at home, what they shouldn't be doing, but let's transition into major league baseball's reopening plan. So, Robert, what's the latest on this development? So it looks like we're going to have baseball, obviously, right? And the whole country feels like it's easing off the restrictions. It just feels, even though there's not a whole lot different in this week in D.C., well, there's one thing, like we can be in parks. Like I asked a cop, I was in um, a park this weekend where I got previously like shoot along, like, hey, you can't sit here, like three weeks ago. So I asked the guy, I'm like, hey. Like a homeless person. Well, DC also does have a, a really, uh, unfortunately, large homeless uh, population. But um, so they're letting people stay in parks. Like you can sit there with a blanket and do whatever. Um, but it seems like we're going to have baseball. So what what is Major League Baseball? What are they proposing at the moment? And what do you think about it? So it sounds like July 4th is going to be the opening. Um, 80-something games. Very American. Very, very American. Very American. Well, very patriotic. Um you know, uh, an expanded playoff uh, format. It, it's it seems very fluid right now, but I think the I think the goal is to get everybody into spring training, working ready to go. Um, the big hiccup when we were talking off air, and I don't know the specifics, and Lucas didn't know either, but the is the revenue share program and and the owners uh, proposing to ML, MLBPA, uh, you know, an an alternative revenue share because. They won't have fans, concessions, a lot of their revenue streams this year. Um, and that I just read the big pushback from the MLBPA would be like, this is kind of the segue for owners to institute a salary cap of some sort. So that seems to be that. And I've seen a few of the of the big leaguers. Um, the reliever for the Nationals, Doolittle, came out. And um, Phil Hughes, I saw, was pretty active on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Their big gripe seems to be, and I don't know if it's a gripe, just some more of the, you know, the players aren't just going to accept to go back unless there's some safety precautions taken for them specifically yeah. and their families. Um, so I don't really know if it's, if this proposal is going to get through as is, or if there's going to be some big pushback, but I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a start. You know, I, I think everybody's got to make concessions as much as I'm pro player, uh, from the financial side, you know, get as much money as you can. You know, the owners really don't necessarily care about you. You're just an asset to them. You know, I am all for the guaranteed contracts, but this year specifically, I think it's got, there's gotta be some compromise. Um, not yeah. that you need to have sympathy for a billionaire, but yeah. So let me read you know, off the key facts right here. Um, so the plan looks like the, the designated hitter would become a part of nationally play, which is interesting. Also, I think, well, let's talk about that. Like you said, 4th of July weekend, 82-game season. Uh, the All-Star game will be called off, obviously. Like, what do we give an All-Star game? Oh, you had 41 good games. Congratulations. Uh, postseason play, like you said, from 10 to 14 teams. Roster sizes will be 30 instead of 26, which they upped it to 26 last year. I don't, have we had right. a season under 26 yet, or we haven't? 
tackled that we, yet. This will be the first this season be, with 26. This was going to be the first, so they've actually added yeah. five to the roster as from last year. Which is a big win for MLB it PA. It is, because we don't need Chris Davis pitching, even though he's dirty, apparently. I was, I was we watching him pitch against like the Red Sox or something when the Orioles won like an 18-inning game. He was throwing <laughs> dirty change-ups and 89 miles per hour. Um, and then the big thing is uh, right now they're proposing that MLB players will split. So players would receive a percentage of their 2020 salaries based on a 50-50 split of revenues MLB receives. So, Lucas, what are your thoughts about all this? Well... I think it's worth explaining, like Bobby mentioned this a second ago, uh, that MLB currently doesn't have a salary cap, whereas like the other major sports like the NFL have salary caps basically that teams – or basically an allowance to put play yeah. pay players where the MLB doesn't have that. So, yeah, I think that's like one of the things that the PA is scared about. What I don't understand is uh, – so one of the things I read was – they're like they were like oh well obviously you're gonna have to do testing on everyone so everyone's gonna have to be tested including like media and security staffing and all that kind of things and then the guy who they quoted was like yeah and obviously that testing is gonna have to be daily and I was like I just didn't understand the logistics of testing the like entirety of major league like, baseball every day yeah oh know. my god those videos are terrifying by the way <laughs> <laughs> how far that thing has to go in um, and the other thing that is, like, I'm curious what's going to happen when the first player of significance tests positive and then can't play. That's going to be a problem for Well, Bobby, this somebody. is opening up for conspiracy theory for you. So, like, hey, we really need a win, and Clayton Kershaw is going to pitch tomorrow. Can we get someone to make a positive test for Clayton like, the day before? Yeah, whose doctor's doing the testing? Whose doctor's doing the testing? The Diamondbacks doctor gets paid off. They go that in there and make fun. that just sounds fun, honestly. Like let's have that happen at least <laughs> once. Like just yeah, once. Do you, do you go in there and make sure yeah. has a hundred and ten fever. The Astros yeah. are already they're already way ahead of us. They've already figured well, out you, how to do this. You can hire like corona assassins, like people who have corona to sneak into his house and cough in his mouth. Oh, that's the new that's the new running onto the field. Like you run onto the field, just hug your <laughs> favorite player that you don't want to play tomorrow. That's <laughs> right. You're real close. Uh, coach, I need a week off. Oh, man. That would be amazing. But the, so go ahead, Robert. I was going to say the I don't know if the salary cap is is the pertinent issue here. I mean, especially with the one we've already got a luxury tax in baseball. Like you spend over 217 million, something like that. You pay a tax on every, you know, and you can't that's, pass go. Is that right? Or no, you, well, you, you collect $200, but you, you, uh, <laughs> I think you pay, uh, you pay a, like a dollar for dollar tax on every. So if you spend 220 million, you pay a three. So you got to pay, you go over the luxury tax, you got to pay that much back to MLB, whatever. Speaking that's of luxury like tax, a, have any, either of you played Monopoly this year? Like no. during, during coronavirus? I haven't played Monopoly since I was like 12. <laughs> the luxury tax card like it's funny you bring that up like never i never understood what that was so like this just pisses me off like 75 dollars for what what the hell's a luxury tax does anyone know what a luxury did, tax is the speaking tax of monopoly my, my china my fine china was did you this in a monopoly cast i mean <laughs> i like your you, little top hat yeah you that's a good it. one or uh, i kind of went with a car what did you go with bobby no the th the thimble that's the worst one. What are you? No, you're, the, you're the old maid of the group. Best one. It's the best one. That's the it's only indestructible. one. It's indestructible. 
How do you, you can't do anything to a thimble? This is I don't know. I don't even know you anymore. The thimble? The top hat? You can crush a top hat. Oh, if thimbles. you wear the thimble, then they can't give you a vaccine. That's that keeps you protected thimble. from vaccines. Yeah. That's what thimble, you're you can't do anything. Put that thimble anywhere. <laughs> uh, so uh, what were we talking about? Uh, whole point of monopoly. We're talking about the point of monopoly. Oh, speaking of monopoly. Is, I learned the you... point of monopoly was just buy literally everything you ever get on. If you buy every property yeah. you ever get on, you just win the game eventually. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, you gotta be, yeah. yeah. Have you did you watch a monopoly commercial I sent you? No. Man, Lucas, I'm gonna send you a Monopoly commercial. It was like commercial. four minutes okay. long. I didn't care it's about the payoff. It's four minutes long, and they only mention Monopoly in the last three seconds of it. The rest of it just seems like a, I don't know, it's like a women's rights commercial. Is it meant just, to be satirical or no? I well, don't know what it's not. meant to be, but it's very, it's very confusing because you're watching it, and then at the end they just spring a Monopoly board on you. <laughs> it's very weird. Anyways, luxury tax, MLB. I don't know how it's gonna go over. I think what. So if you were going to add something to that, you two guys specifically, what would you add in the, into the MLB season that I'd make them all wear thimbles every, well, every inning of every game. Only, only the, trying to, on every finger. They're trying to catch a ball only, with, with only the back boy. Yeah. No, uh, Dan, I think this is the perfect time to implement your, uh, like the, the bonus balls, you know, where you get two like, strikes with one spruce, pitch. spruce baseball up. There's like you get like each team gets a basically like a case of specialty baseballs that have different rules. So like, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a getting an out with this baseball gets you two outs or whatever. Yeah, I think it's a great time. So you but you always take that ball in when the worst hitter on the team comes up. Right. Well, so just like, well you have to use them strategically. Right. Yeah. So like you know it's a I don't know two zero count and bases are juiced and you have a ball that says if this next pitch is a strike the inning's over interesting yeah, yeah. But it's got to be a called strike can't be a swinging strike no it can be any strike but that's just like it's just tough or a ball tough. that like as an offensive team you you say or maybe you have a bat in that case and any the result of this at bat is plus two bases so if you strike out it's a double interesting. Mm-hmm. if you Hit a home run, it's a home run and a double. You always <laughs> give that bat to the worst guy on the team. Of course. He's yeah. always going to get on base. So how about – I was I, I always think this is a good idea personally, but the, the mandatory du- Sunday doubleheader, Monday day off situation like – Why? It's still just I two games in two days. Well, I know, better? but Plus I feel like – Doubleheaders are the worst. Well, doubleheaders are the worst. And for, day games are the worst. That's like combining hey, all the worst things. And this is why we're making the change. We want it. You make players miserable Sunday, <laughs> happy Monday. This is a good trade-off. But I always want I want double headers on Sunday and M- Monday day off because you guys know. I mean, when you there's no days off in pro ball. Like there are really no days off. I'd rather tough it out for a double header on a Sunday to get myself an actual day off every week. I mean, like I never really cared really that much about days off, to be honest. Because you're you. a pitcher, you every day is a day off. Yeah, I, I throw for five minutes every every seventy two hours. Like <laughs> it's, it's stupid. Plus the Ernie Banks, like let's oh play yeah, two. Ernie Banks is always front of mind on about and, off well, days. Also has he, maybe, he what did that be. mean? Let's Ernie talk about Banks. this non sequitur. What did Ernie Banks have to do with any of this? Ernie Banks, oh, let's, he's let's, let's play, play two. two. Oh, let's play yeah. two. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's. <laughs> That's just that's crackpot wisdom. That's crackpot wisdom. Monday, Ernie Banks. 
third thing. This is going great. <laughs> there, 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 there might be uh, broadcast implications for that too, because Sunday is like a, a nothing day. I'm oh, sure and that's another. Them. That's another. Uh, totally, like guys need to be mic'd up every game. I agree with yes. that. I think that's really that fun. The problem is you're going to say you're going to hear lots of the f word and yeah, lots hey. of. But that'll here. So words. here's here's my thing with that. If you want to hear it unfiltered, then you then you got to subscribe to MLB TV to get more people to like watch games. I mean, that's it's a great idea. That's I'm. I mean, Thank for you, all Dan. the crackpot ideas Thank you, you have, that's a that's a good one. I would Who's pay extra to hear watch? everyone mic'd up, just hearing oh, yeah. everyone just call each other pansies. Obviously, I'm I'm, I'm not going to use the other word at the moment. But Do you think that they would? Uh, I mean, the MLB or the owners would or teams would want certain like dark zones. I'm assuming, right? It would be like maybe, maybe, it would be maybe a huge it, problem. There's well, maybe no way goes, you want your favorite maybe stars deaf. Maybe what it goes saying. silent in the dugout. Like you only hear them when they're on the playing field. The problem is over time, some period of time, they're going to forget that they're wearing it, which is what you essentially want. But then you're going to be like, F that mother. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be real. And people yes. are not going to like it. It's not going to be good. I'm just imagining in my head. It's not like, going to be good. An Astros player in the dugout being like, "Hey, can you bang louder on that trash can? I can't hear it when I'm out there." <laughs> or like they're talking about like somebody in the stands, or like this right. just totally yeah, not baseball related. You don't want any of that. <laughs> Brings yes, you I mean, do. This is this is the this is the content we want. Yeah, but then there's no safe zones. I mean, like this is competition. This is a, a high testosterone sports match going on. But but here you hate each other sometimes. But here we go. Like. Put some rules in, you know, you're only micing up one guy per team or something like that. You know, same guy can't be mic'd up every game. You know who's mic'd up. So it's, there's, there's ways to get around it. Like I want, I want like the oldest bench coach to be mic'd up all the time. Like I want to like dot the tools. Who's a Tommy Lasorda stream of just nonsense. And back in my day, old man. I will say that when they, when they did, when they mic'd up spring training, I haven't been that entertained by baseball in years. It was fun. Like it was like a good. It was like a good. Yeah, yeah. Back and forth. Well, Lucas, do you understand? So, like some of the stuff that that guy John Boy does, how he like gets those streams and then he publishes them. Do you understand that? No, and I I don't know. Like, how does he get access? It's like he's breaking in. It, it, like the way it was worded, it's almost like he's like it's like it's a publicly available thing or something. And he's like getting into the audio streams and like taking data out and using it, which is, I don't understand. I just don't understand that phenomenon. I don't know if you, isn't he just watching and, and voicing over Aaron, Aaron, no, he gets, he gets uh, like audio files that aren't on the broadcast. Yeah. Like Aaron, like you remember the Aaron Boone thing where he was like, our guys are effing savages. Blah, blah, blah. That was never broadcast, but he was mic'd up. So like that audio went somewhere into some room and he like put on his hat and his like black gloves and like did like the mission impossible thing and like got into the, I don't know. Like, yeah, I was curious if you knew what the logistics of that, what that even means. No, Well, and then what I don't understand is, okay, let's say he gets it. How does he not face yeah. any sort of like ramification from whomever? I wonder that too, because like I illegally went to a game and got photos and videos and which is like expressly prohibited, even if it's your own camera in a game, you're not allowed to take video of, of a major league game. You can take photos uh, for personal use. You're not allowed to take any footage of game foot, uh, like in like when the game is being played. Did they let um, you bring in your camera? 
Yeah, you can bring in a camera. They just like if they <laughs> saw me taking lap. video, like if I was just sitting there recording, like they could potentially come and kick me out. Mm. But even then, I'm like nervous about using that footage because a it, it has major league players in it, and they have an interest in their their image and whatever. And b like major league prohibits that. Like I'm not allowed to have that footage. But then for other people on YouTube to just like basically just chop up major league games and throw them on there, there seems like there's not really many ramifications. And then what? he's doing seems like way even worse like we didn't like hey that's major league baseball's audio we didn't let you do that and you did it like how is he not maybe he isn't in litigation i mean i'm sure a lot of people are in litigation for random stuff behind the scenes that you never know about but that seems seems problematic for sure yeah i just think miking up like players like it would fill a lot of that dead time when you talk about pace of play like a baseball game is not necessarily any longer than a football game but there's a lot more action happening in football. And when there's not action, they're talking about action. Whereas like these two guys that are sitting in Kansas action, action, like action sports network, like you just baseball game. When you're watching it, it's like, it feels like there's dead air all the time. Like, and the two guys are really boring sport. It's super boring. There's no, there's no Harry carries like off the cuff remarks where you're Uh, like, you're listening for him to say something stupid. As we, have, we have a president that does that though i would do that like yeah. let me let me announce a game we're gonna do that and like, we're gonna watch a kbo game one of the yeah, best innovations of the last like i don't know five six years was the mlb condensed game the following day yes awesome no broadcast 25 minutes long with all the breakages cut out oh those are great it's just the pitches right it's just every pitch like yeah Whatever. Is it every pitch or is it only the ones that are put in play? I can't remember. Uh, I think it's every pitch, although I can't remember now. There's probably both options, I would think. There might if be. it's just pitch, but I, pitches I put in play. I think it's only ones that were put in play. Because I watched maybe some results. looking for footage. Yeah, I don't think they're showing like a 2-1 fastball out of the zone. I think they kind of just like... But I, I can't remember. Even better. Don't quote me on it. Well, Even then better. you start to lose... Then you start to lose some of the baseballness. Because if you have like... But if you're like a reporter... Just, or something oh, yeah. like if you there's, cover the sport use for uses for it for sure but because uh, the other thing is like bobby like you were saying the the current state of broadcast now is what what gets said often in between pitches is even worse than dead air like if it oh, was complete brutal. silence i would be fine but they try to fill it with <laughs> random nonsense it's brutal well like i do sunday night baseball sunday yeah. night baseball games are terrible to watch not good you know what i miss because i I think it was like a Red Sox replay or something. I saw a clip and it was John Miller. I miss John Miller calling games. There's just like this fuzzy, warm, fuzzy feeling. Just like he called so many of those important games like for 20 years of my childhood or just not even just childhood, but like a huge chunk of all of our lives. And there's just like, I was like a comfort hearing his voice. I'm like, man, I miss, I miss those days. I have that same feeling with like the old Cubs announcers and I can't, tell if that's because they're objectively better or if my nostalgia is just like flooding my brain with hormones. Well, I think when you watch an old Cubs game or even like an old White Sox game or recent White Sox game with Hawk Harrelson, half of it is because those guys are such homers. Like they're not right. unbiased. They're totally biased. Like they yeah, want they, they don't the care team at, at all about object. Yeah. Like Hawk Harrelson is rooting for the White Sox openly, blatantly, like obviously he's the White Sox announcer, but you know, on a on a national broadcast, he doesn't care. Like he's not he's not seeing both sides. If they're playing the Indians, like he hates the Indians, which is right. which is awesome. I would like to see some kind of changes in all these booths with keep the 
play-by-play guy, the the boring guy, and put an entertainer. Give me a comedian. Like, give me a comedian to do the color. I don't. He doesn't even need to know anything about baseball. Just let him yeah. comment on what he's seeing. Like, make it somewhat entertaining. It can't be any worse than this than A Rod and Jessica Mendoza and whoever else is doing Sunday night. Like, it's, remember it's when the NFL did that with uh, Dennis Miller? Yeah, but Dennis Miller's just not funny. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, a problem. Not. But I feel like they kind of had that idea. And I think he tried to, to. He didn't. He didn't do it as himself. I felt like he did it as like he tried to be a football announcer. Like, just yeah, be yourself, to, man. Yeah, he tried to do football stuff. Like, give me Bill Burr watching a, a yes. Red Sox game. Like, that is going to be entertaining for a couple hours. Yeah, I do want to do the hot mic idea. So, for those of you listening, I threw out the idea to Bobby and a couple other people of watching some KBO games and just like doing like a watch party. I wish you could stream the game so you could like see us picture in picture. I don't know. Again, I'm like nervous of the legality. Like we could watch it on my computer and screen share the game and all like be on Zoom and comment over it. Right. Which would be the ideal situation. But I don't want to have legal problems personally. But we could also just stream during a KBO game. Say, hey, turn on your TV. It's on our TV. And we could just talk nonsense. And I think that'd be super fun. So we're kind of tentatively planning that. I just need to figure it out. I would. I think it'd be fun. I think I think Morning Brushback could be the official provider of KBO games in the U.S. Well, and the, and the funny thing is, I'm gonna have to fill time because I care like so little about that. Like I don't even like. I <laughs> but can't, that's the not, best part. That's like, the I, best part. Does you anyone, Lucas? How do you feel looks. about KBO? Do you care? What's your percentage on a 13 to 76 scale? How much do you care about KBO games? Uh, 14. <laughs> See, 14. Glass, I mean, classic. But but how much do you care if you put 50 bucks on the game? Yeah. Oh, 70, well, 76. 76. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the caveat. You should that's be able how, to that's the instant, gamble. That's the instant care button. It, yes. it reminds me again of, I mean, we talked a bunch about the Simpsons recently, but the uh, episode where the soccer team comes to comes to play in Springfield and homer's like oh soccer boring and um they're doing the advertisements like oh your favorite stars caluglia muchlia paniagua paniagua too and he's like oh um (laughs) same thing it's like you don't know who any of these people are they just need to build hype but um lucas how do you feel about outdoor use of coronavirus masks this is a hot button button issue in my household of one person uh this is well. I, this is now we're getting into controversy. Um, yes, so let's hear it. For those of you who don't know, I live in Central Illinois, where uh, population density is pretty low. Um, but uh, who actually? It's funny that you said mentioned Bill Burr. This the segues in this podcast are just fantastic. Bob, you're Obviously. talking about Bill Burr. Bill Burr uh, in his more recent podcast has kind of been on a soapbox about people wearing masks when they go on runs, when they go outside for walks, which I. Don't fully understand uh, if I'm being no. Honest. I don't either. I don't um, because it's an entirely possible, and in fact, where I am, very very likely that when I go out for runs, I don't come within. I'm not even close to people, and so I yeah. am confused of mask wearing in outdoors. I guess. Can we talk no, I feel about like you're in a populated go. area? Then I guess that makes a little more sense, but. Mm, all right, so let's let's put aside whether or not the mask actually works, like for whatever. Why are you wearing a mask when you're driving? 
in your car by yourself. That's one thing I do see a lot. There's, it's like it, I'm driving past people and they've got the mask on. Self-infection like, rates what are is happening? soaring. Soaring. What's happening? Like, is your steering know. wheel giving it off and you need to, like, what's, I don't know what's happening. It's in um, the atmosphere. It goes through your grill into your air conditioning. We live in a crazy oh, world. We live yeah, in a it's crazy pumping world. out the exhaust, out of the exhaust. Um, yeah, you get well, a car. car. No, they're, dro- they're dropping it in chemtrails. Coronavirus is in the air. It's like right. those old water. Chevron commercials with like the car where he's like getting the bad gasoline. He's like, <coughs> <laughs> and then you give him the, the good Chevron gas, and he's all he's the cat. Like, yeah, the car's just going down the street, just pumping out coronavirus. One of my favorite uh, conspiracy theories, by the way, is that the NFL created coronavirus to uh, kill the XFL. Hey, I like that one. I don't know how yeah. truthful it is, but I like yeah. it. No one cares enough about the XFL very to, creative to, for them. to need to do that. Like it was going to die on but its own. Probably. That's what they want you to think. The XFL <laughs> was getting hot. All right, it was hey, getting it was getting some steam. You know that you know what made XFL fun? Gambling and Just, and a complete lack of uh, caring about any like they didn't care about anything. They had the XFL had the right approach to football. Look, we know it's dangerous. We're not pretending it's not dangerous. Let's just make it super dangerous. They tried to make it a real-life version of NFL Blitz. Yes. Which was the best thing they could have done. But everybody knows football is dangerous. Like, when you're running full speed with a concrete helmet on at somebody and tackling them with only your neck, A concrete helmet? Safe. Where do they have these helmets? <laughs> those, helmets are, those helmets are concrete. That it was seems an like a, thing. a difficult way to keep your head. That was, that was actually like, like bobbleheads. <laughs> you have to commit. If you're going to start to go left, you're never going to recover. You just got to keep tackling left. You know like, what was uh, good about XFL? Like the one rule that was interesting was their kickoff rule where they started like 10 yards apart from each other and not next to the ball. You know, do you remember that? Rule? Yeah, I don't I know if you guys watched this, it. This, to uh, reduce the amount of steam. That you yeah. Build up so they're not. Them. So there's, so there's not 11 guys running full speed at, 11 stationary guys. Right, right. It was an, it was interesting. I mean, you know what the ex the NFL needs some kind of uh, competition. Like why don't they have any competition? There's def there's plenty of football players. Look at the no, NCAA. Not. Yeah, there is. No, there's, Again, I mean, but Lucas I mean, like could play football just cause he's big. Lucas is six. What are you six? You're six, three. What are six, you today? Three. Two, two, 30, 40, two, 35. Fantastic yeah. middle linebacker. So he's large Perfect. enough, but I mean, that's getting back to like that's the saying like well we could have another major league baseball like there's there aren't more than like mo- some of the major leaguers in the major leagues at any given moment aren't really major leaguers you know what I mean like you know that sure like, but are we there's talking not, like, there's not more pro baseball players there you sure. just end up watering it down like, but are we talking quality like I'm just talking alternative you know like there's no well, yeah clearly quality it's clearly we're talking quality like. A no, major league baseball player is a is a type of quality, and like NFL is a type of quality. And if you're, it's not really competition to them if it's a lesser brand of football. Like people aren't just gonna, they're just not gonna care. I Maybe mean, not, like, but XFL had some people caring. Probably just because it was regional and it was like a spectacle yeah. for a minute. But after a while, you're like, I don't have an allegiance to that team. I mean, the 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 wearing their their shirt is such a big deal in sports. I don't know. I'd still prefer something like. It was nice that the XFL was in it. Like it didn't compete head to head with the NFL for ratings because they were two different separate seasons. Because so like if you're someone by comparison, but if you're someone that likes football just in general or someone that wants to gamble in general, like that's a 
three month window where you get extra football. How much of your life would you say revolves around gambling right now? <laughs> 60, 60 right now, like nothing. No, it's, it's just terrible, but like we can, 70%. We can start a, I'll, I'll get the domain name. We call it every, everydaybets.com and like we this. can basically pay just like some random people around the country say, hey, for this week, I want you to record how many cups of coffee you drink, how many times you open the refrigerator door, how many times, um, you know, whatever it is. And so they, they just record these things and you don't know, they don't know why they're doing it. So it's on. And then other people are betting on how many times Felicia Jackson in Boston, Massachusetts opened her refrigerator door up in a given week. The over under is over under over under over under set at one one sixty five. Yeah, over <laughs> over. I take the under Felicia. She's 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 on a diet. Yeah, she's not. Yeah, she but like out too much. You, you like start calling her neighbors. Hey, what's her dietary habits? Is she trying to lose weight? Is she gaining weight? <laughs> she a big like, um, you know, if you if you eat more natural foods, like doesn't require refrigeration. Like if she's reaching for an apple, it's not in the refrigerator, or is she always going for the. Yeah, I, I got a, the I got a tip pack. that Felicia is a really big potato chip person. She only eats in that fridge. She only eats no. out of the pantry. Yeah. yeah. So it could be a, it actually probably could be a, a really funny thing. I would do that. People are doing random, that on random, Facebook. Random pool of people. Just people are doing that on Facebook. Have you guys seen this? Someone's life? No. They're like they're like live streaming Facebook stuff, and they're. I never want to go on Facebook ever again. It's a trash company run by a trash CEO. I just oh, I can't say enough bad things about Facebook. Interesting. You don't like Zuckerberg. No. I don't like him either, but I'm, I'm does happy anyone, to hear this. Does anyone? Does anyone? Um, He's the Bill Gates of social media. Social media? Social media. Sound it out. Sound it out. Social um, media. Huh? But yeah, so Lucas, like even here in DC where it's much more popular, like if I'm going for a run, I will have to run by a person on the sidewalk. Even then, I'm not running by that many people. Like, And it's, it's kind of wild, the lengths. Like yesterday, I was walking and I was on a like a normal, like, kind of narrow sidewalk and a couple and i think they had like a maybe like a four-year-old they're on the rollerblades um and they like made such an effort to like rollerblade into the street off this like kind of bumpy sidewalk as <laughs> i was walking into up. oncoming traffic yeah and they both had masks on i didn't have a mask so i was like poisonous i guess but i was just like you both have masks on like at once you have a mask on then how much do you have to go out of your way to like not have a just like a quick passing I don't like if know. If the mask like, works, then you should be fine, right? Like, it's just such an interesting thing. Like the level of fear in people. Like you see a girl running down the street randomly with no one around her wearing a mask. You're like, what are you doing? And you're like on a yeah. bike. You're on a bike with a mask on. Like who? Like what? Is there someone going to be like nervous? I, if you're that nervous, like you probably shouldn't be going out in public for like leisure to begin with. I would think, right? Like if you're if you're that scared that you that the mask isn't going to protect you and you have to cross the other side of the street. You maybe that, just yeah, stay, that's a good stay point. Local. Like the, what, what every individual's acceptance of risk is. And then to say that like mask versus no mask when you're going out on the run, is like that big of a risk differential. It's like, I, don't I mean, know. I'm walking outside they, hugging strangers. I'm trying, I'm actively right. trying to make contact with people. But right. not not true, but yeah. Bobby's opened up a handshaking station. <laughs> yeah, like, a, uh, like a kissing booth. <laughs> yeah. Um I will tell you that where I am, no one wears masks when they run. 
You know what's interesting is I t- my buddy lives in San Diego, and I was on his birthday. I talked to him for about an hour yesterday, and he said same thing. Like people aren't wearing masks, and they're not on lockdown. And California is an interesting state because it seems like they're very hardcore. Like they're very under strict guidelines from their governor. And he said it's not like that um, in in San Diego. And San Diego is a big town. I mean, that's it's pretty big city. I I think it was just weird to hear him. That I would have thought that. California, hundred percent. Like just everything you see about California is that masks, you know, keep your distance. But he said, no, he's like, when nobody wears masks when they go in and out of stores. And he's like, it's pretty, it's pretty lax. I mean, I support, I mean, and for those of you listening, don't get me wrong. I'm not blase about this whole thing. Like I've taken it very seriously. I've been very quarantined. I've ordered groceries to minimize connect with like the, even the grocery store like whatever i wear a mask in dc you have to wear a mask indoors you, you can't go in a place they won't let you they have a security guard that won't let you in yeah. which i've seen people like boycotting costco because that's like look like we're in closer quarters inside it's fine it's not a big nuisance like whatever i'll wear a mask totally like that's okay um i have obviously my my dad's in his 70s so like i have the same concerns as everyone else i'm not blase about it but i'm just not wearing a mask when i'm going on a run and i'm not when i'm on a walk and i like walk i'm walking every day i'm not wearing a mask and if i like need to go i bring one if i need to be in close quarters i'll put it on but there's just like we're outside if if everyone was getting it from just walking around everyone in america would have it already like it just it would be out of control like absolutely out of control and it's just not that way i mean in dc it's still really DC is, I think we have like 6,000 6, cases and we have like a 750,000 population in the, the center of the city. And, um, and in the, the wards, like the three more like affluent wards, which is includes like the White House area, like the Georgetown area, and then like the area that I'm in, the prevalence, it's like only 12% of cases are in those three wards, which makes up 37% of the city. So it's like where people are more spread out and are active and like staying in their homes, they're, they're not getting it that much. And it's partly because of the precautions, but it's also just because it's like, if it was getting spread by running, I would have had it already for sure. I would have, cause I've, I've been running around and you can't right. run for 30 minutes and not pass 10, 15 people, even when the streets are sparsely populated, which, which they are. And I still avoid right. people, but I still, it's, it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And again, I'm not blase about it. Like I want to protect other people and their, and their parents and I want my parents to be protected, but there's just like a level of like, look, that's just like, like you said, Lucas, he's just like, what is the risk here? And does the mask really change this like infinitesimal risk level? Right. If it comes to the point that like I'm required to wear a mask when I go running, I think I'll just like stop running like that. I don't know. mill sales through the roof. You won't feel in charge. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Breathing my humid sweat air. Yeah. So let's transition. So let's talk about the the baseball tournament situation in America. Bobby, how do you say the word tournament, by the way? Tournament. T-U-R-N. Tournament. 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 Eat it. Deal with it. Um, So I am starting a personal crusade, which is let tournaments go bankrupt. This system has been busted for a long time. You know, teams get to pay twelve to fifteen hundred dollars for a weekend tournament. Then yeah, well, they really charge quick, you a- for someone who maybe isn't a veteran of the baseball tournament uh, scenario. Let's break down what a what a, the process is for a team. 
Okay. Bobby, why don't you go? I mean, you know this better than either of us. We, we ran an academy together, but I mean, you're a saltier veteran so, than us. So if you have a, a youth travel baseball team or even whatever, just a baseball team, any 18 and under, you enter these tournaments, you pay anywhere from, it's called 900 bucks a weekend to as much as $2,500 a weekend. You get guaranteed. What's, what's the median? Probably, probably twelve hundred. Probably, you'd say yeah, probably today? about twelve hundred dollars a weekend. Okay. They guarantee you four games, three to four games, usually four games. Mm-hmm. But if you play two games, then that that is considered your tournament. So weather conditions, rain, whatever, you know, whatever happens at a tournament, if you've played two games, your money is kept. Like they keep all your money. Okay. You play one game, they give you half back. You know, whatever prorated. So these tournaments have a have a what you would consider a monopoly. I mean, it's, it's partially smoke and mirrors, right? Like tournaments advertise recruiting, they advertise, you know, exposure, but there's no tournaments that are guaranteeing any college coaches to show up or any level of, they can say they're a very elite tournament or, you know, the best teams in the, but you don't know until you get there. So, so let's break down costs, costs a little more. So most tournaments now have a gate fee, which is 30 to 50 bucks for a weekend, which means your parents have to pay this gate fee to come watch, their kid that they pay to be yes. on this team who paid their tournament fee. So yes, on top of the tournament fee, there's a gate fee. And then obviously there's the expense of being in a hotel for two to three nights with your family. Which is a state of play situation, which for anybody listening, that means the tournament company mandates you, you book with our hotels. Yep. We're going to get a kickback from that hotel. If you don't book with our hotels, you pay an extra fee. Like 500 like, bucks or yeah, something or more to, you know, three to $500 per tournament. Yeah. So then there's that. Then obviously all the the meals away from home, um, gas, transportation, whatever. So what would you guys estimate it costs a typical family to to go to a tournament where they have to stay for two nights? Let's say, what do you think, Lucas? What do you think the estimate would be? Uh, I mean, the, the kids' share is probably, of the tournament fee, the kids' share is probably 75 bucks. You know, if you have like a roster of like 16 kids, $1,200. Like, let's say it's 75 bucks to the share for the tournament. And then the gate fee, so that's, they're at like a hundred for the family. Right. What else? Well, and before I, I answer that, like the, the, the other thing for non, I don't know, parents don't know the behind the scenes. If you're a travel baseball team looking to play a summer season, your only options are tournaments basically. So like yes. back in this, in January of before the summer, you have to hop into these tournaments because they fill up. So like the coaches scheduling in January, December, January, February, maybe even as early as November uh, because otherwise if you're not in tournaments and if you're not in air quote high quality tournaments, then your summer is like, you're going to be playing who knows who. So right. that's the other thing to consider. Um, and it does seem like they get the tournaments get more expensive every year. I feel like our first year with our travel organization, the we could get into tournaments for like 900 to 1100 bucks. And then my, like the last couple of years, it felt like, 1300 1400 to get in some of like the bigger tournaments but yeah um yeah yeah so then and then the hotels i don't really remember too many weekends where there was a hotel rate under like 130 bucks a night um, which is that's about normal yeah yeah and then uh, the family i don't does. know what dan said um if you're a high school travel team most likely your coach and your assistant coach are paid for their hotel needs to be paid for their food needs to be paid for that kind of comes out of the team you know the team fund you know that you're not they're not coming out of pocket it's kind of a thankless job to coach uh yeah. for for youth yeah and so Wait, then 
Go ahead. Well, that's another thing I was going to say is there is a desire from a lot of parents to have non-parent coaches. Non-parent coaches are expensive for that reason. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like you have to basically pay a qualified coach enough to convince them to sacrifice six out of the seven weekends in their summer and, you know, live out of a hotel. And, and for those of you that are not aware, there's only like eight decent weekends in the Midwest in the summer. So right, right. to give them all up to coach youth baseball is a, like that is an actual sacrifice for a lot of guys. That's why it's yeah. hard to find good coaches. Yeah. And you just can't pay them enough to where like if you start to break down the hours because you're driving, you're staying, like you're yeah. constantly planning, like there's just not a lot of the downtime, which, you know, again, like when you love the game and you like working with kids, like, you know, it's it's still like I always enjoyed it. I know Lucas always enjoyed it. I know you still enjoy it. But it's still it is like at some point you're like, man, I'd really like to go to a concert this weekend or just like, you know, like travel, like do some things. And you just like kind of can't. So it's it's tough. And you see a lot of t- coach turnover. But but anyway, so like after a, a given summer of doing maybe four or five, six tournaments on the road, you end up spending multiple thousands of dollars for every family and the quality of baseball. And this is my thing is I always laughed at my team when they'd be like, Dan, who are we playing today? I'm like another group of 16 year olds you've never heard of that are just like you like what do you want me to tell you like it's not like i can sell i can tell them like some brand name team there's a couple brand name teams like the evo shield canes um have they're like a national level program like people have heard of them where if you saw them on your schedule like oh we're playing the canes that's very few and far between most of the teams are just unknown groups of 16 year olds that are comparable from another town so it's like why are we driving eight hours to play the same group of 16 year olds that we could play in our own town or we could pay two umpires 50 bucks each rent a field for 50 bucks split the cost between the other team and now it's 75 dollars per team per game instead of you know uh we'd have to break down the cost per per team per game um in the tournaments but it's like 300 bucks a game you know so well so that so go ahead lucas well that, well, that was the other thing is that i know we've bounced around a little bit but the other thing about this format is like bobby we were saying all right you 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 get a four game guarantee but Dan, to your point, you're, who you're playing is randomized, allegedly, yeah. and, and completely unknown to you. So what is entirely possible is that you go 0-4, you get your butt kicked in all four games, then you go home and you don't play on Sunday. Where now, parents who had booked a Saturday night hotel room are either eating that or you're like staying until, I don't know, to do whatever there is to do on the city that you're in on that Sunday. Which is yeah. nothing so like usually. The, the, the scheduling can be tough in terms of like Bobby was saying weather, but then also you might, you might go four and oh and have two 10 run games or go oh and four and not be able to play all your guys. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah the, the, the format is, is just the, the selling point for a lot of these tournaments is recruiting, right? Like be seen, be yeah, exposure. Which is They've got the, yeah. Which you don't know who's showing up. Like I, you know, I've got a lot of college – I've got a lot of friends that coach college baseball. You know, we all know college baseball coaches. Like, these guys have a limited amount of time, and they're not – it's not like they're posted up at one field for four straight days watching every game. Like They don't look going, for random kids. No, they don't. They do not look for random kids. So, it, you know, parents are like, well, are these good tournaments? Are we going to be seen in these tournaments? Like, look, you, this, the scene part is done by you on the side. Like – send your video out, get in contact with coaches. Hopefully when you send them their schedule, they'll come and watch you. Or if they're going to be at a tournament, they'll watch you. But nobody's watching random like games, hoping to find a player. Like it's just not 
feasible for these coaches anymore. Yeah, it's not time efficient. Yeah, and that and that's an eye opener. I remember I called uh, Liam Bowen, who we had on the show at UMBC, who does a great job recruiting and a great guy, very objective. Um, I'm like, hey, you know, I have a couple of players that you might be interested. Are you going to be in our area? Or like, we'll be here. He's like, I'm like, when? And I asked him just in general. I'm like, we're going to email a lot of college coaches to tell them where our team's going to be and who we have. When do I need to do that so I'm on their schedule? And he's like, probably in the either the very end of the year like before the, the next summer so if you're playing in 2020 before 2019 ends or in the very early part of like january he's like because we set our schedules he's like i know i've got to be very time efficient with my recruiting schedule i got to know where i'm going and why i'm going there he's right. like so if you spring it on me and in, in may hey we got a really good kid who's going to be in indianapolis like my summer's booked i know where i'm going i like I, i've got teams i'm i ha- they do have some teams they'll follow because maybe they know there's three or four kids on there that are really legit um, and there's some big tournaments that maybe they can hit like eight teams with a bunch of different kids all in the same complex. And if you're not in that complex, they're just like, sorry, like you're on our schedule. So you have to be on their schedule early. And, um, and yeah. And I mean, Lucas, how many times did you go? We didn't see scouts just lingering around except at 17 U tournaments and some right. of the better, some of the better right. ones. Yeah. And even then you're like, from their perspective, if there's 95 teams or 96 teams in a tournament, they're not going to the Wednesday night, Thursday morning games. Like there's just, so they're, they, you didn't see them until you're making it to Sunday anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, even to your point, there's, a, I know a lot of coaches now won't even stay on Sunday. Like they'll just go Thursday, Friday, Saturday and see who they want to see and then get out of there. Like they're not going to like the good, good games don't matter. Like they're not trying to watch matchups. If they need to see an arm throw, they'll watch them throw against the worst team in the tournament. As long as it fits their schedule. Like, right? yeah. The, yeah. You know, the recruiting aspect has gotten so fluid with, you know, information that they don't like the the hitting guy or the recruiting guy at Northern Illinois doesn't need to come watch me play four or five times to get a read on me. Like he's got an idea of whether or not he likes me. He just needs to see one game, sees a few at bats and then he go and he's bounced. He's out of there. Which, so what's funny about all of this is it is very much a selling point for the tournaments to, to say, look at all of these coaches that we have in attendance, which right. is completely opposite to how recruiters actually function. Yeah, it's misleading. It's like, sure. if, like like you guys are saying, if they have somebody in their head that they want to see, they don't care where – they just need to see them play. Right. Not and like it's they, like, some, like of these, some of these big tournaments. So, so the big complex in the Midwest is in Indiana. There's, you know, 200 acres of athletic fields, not all baseball, but whatever. There's 200 acres – you get into that tournament and that tournament has gotten so big and so many teams and it's a, um, such, you might only play two of your five scheduled games at that complex. And yeah. then you get three games at local high schools and mm-hmm. for everyone watching those local high schools are not drawing anybody to watch. Like if you're going to a tournament that's got multiple, like, you know, couple dozen teams or more, and there's a local, uh, you know, a, a quad or two quads or local fields, that's where everybody's hanging out. So you want to be at those local fields, you know, the four fields in a circle so they can, coaches can watch, you know, four games at a time. And yeah, everybody wants to go to these big tournaments and nobody wants to do like, you know, quote unquote round robin of one field and six teams because no coaches are going to be there. But look, the point of summer baseball is not necessarily to be where all the uh, schools are at like you need to get better so you know we're trying to get better we're trying to get you seen but at the end of the day i mean you, if you've got a phone you've got recruiting 
tools at your disposal. Well, and just just think about the implication is is it's saying that you know, okay, if we were to get, ride this idea of all right, we get we get exposure at these college tournaments. That's saying that you as a player are going to go to this tournament with sixty some teams and play so well that a college coach is going to see you over the literally hundreds of guys that he's seen and gone, oh, I need that guy. It's just like an unrealistic. Unless you're a pitcher, the chances of of sticking out are very minuscule. Like one well, as a pitcher, impossible. if you throw a phenomenal game, who saw it? And now you're down. Now you're down for the weekend. You know, like if you're a shortstop and someone's watching a pitcher, and you know, like like say I'm a coach and I go watch. You know, I, I know I got a I got a, a beat on a kid. And I'm watching him pitch, and he's playing some un, unknown team. But their shortstop, wow, is like impressing me. Okay, like that's how kids get found too. Like I mean, just so that's a very very real thing. But if you're a pitcher, you've got one shot. I mean, you, you like spend your payload, right? And if no yeah. one watched you that game, like all right, that was it. So good job. But I mean, and to be fair, well, I'll, I'll share one more like horror story. So we booked a tournament that was last year that was uh it was supposed to be on the ohio state field like they advertised it as the ohio state invitational and some teams had and we were a little late entry so we weren't guaranteed a a a game on that field but that field was used in the tournament there was a clear and then months later suddenly it was called like the some random high school invitation i'm like oh what is all this then and I emailed the guy. I'm like, hey, what's the deal with this? He's like, yeah, you know, we can't use Ohio. I'm like, when were you going to tell me that? He's like, well, it doesn't matter because you weren't guaranteed a game. I'm like, when were you going to tell me that, you snake? Like, this does matter. We're not driving eight hours to play on some random high school's field exclusively for, for eight. Right. Yeah, like, screw you. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, we're, you know, you weren't guaranteed a game. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, it does matter. Like, and I get that's part of the allure of the summer schedule. And one of the organizations that we always had a great, and again, like the organization in, in Indianapolis bullpen, I think they've done a really good job. Their complex is really nice. I have, I had nothing bad to say about bullpen tournaments. Sometimes you do get stuck off the, the, um, their big complex. I think the tournament format is broken in general, but like they did a good job. We had a good experience there. We also had a good experience at the Cincy flames tournaments, always played on high school on college fields, almost exclusively. If it wasn't right. a, a college field, it was a really nice high school field. The guy Jay, who I think he sold the he sold his the flames, but he was always like a super guy. So understand, this is not like a, everyone's a snake in the industry because they're certainly not. Um, but, but like in this situation, it, it was like super deceptive. And it's like we just didn't go; we just ate the thousand bucks and went to a different tournament and saved all that money traveling. Yeah, but it, I don't know if it's deception. I'm sorry, Lucas. I was that saying, was, I don't know that if was it's deception this, for sure. I say I don't know if like it's not to say that any of these tournament companies do a bad job. It's just the format. Well, is, some of them is do broken. for sure. Some of them right? do for but sure. For the most part, the format in general, like I don't know if anybody's got the right format yet. It's not this. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. That it, it does seem to be more often than not just sort of a, a problem inherent in the system. And it does seem to me, and Bobby, you know best probably that at least over the like the last six or seven years, there's it, there's been like a slow escalation of these tournaments to where like. Some of them are so big now that, like the dance point, you get one or two games on the feature field if you're lucky. And then right. the other thing is just like the the dilution of even if there are coaches there, the fact that there's I mean we played in tournaments where there's 90, 90 some teams and it's just like it's just so teams. big like so so the way I the way I try and do it is you try and 
and couple their, your trips with like the, the best quality tournament slash venue and also, you know, a semi vacation spot. Like I know I send a lot of our teams to uh, uh, music city tournament, which is Nashville and surrounding Nashville area. Like that is for all, you know, for all intents purposes, a vacation, you know, Nashville is a destination city. Indianapolis, yeah, while not chicken, a, sweat a bunch, like maybe hey, get heat stroke. Get a, little, lovely, get, a little live, get a little live music, you know. In, that was in, one, of the yeah. dumbest, one of the dumbest decisions I ever made was to wait in line for an hour on a 99-degree day in August. Or no, it was in July, outside of Hattie B's in Nashville to get hot chicken. <laughs> and when I got inside, it was like 94 degrees inside the restaurant. And then I was That's eating hot chicken. Hot. It's so hot. I was so hot. It's just, it just was like the worst experience of my life. And it wasn't hot, like it was good, chicken, but it man. wasn't. Yeah. Well, I'm dumb. But but like, so Indianapolis has the big complex, you know, just north of Indianapolis, 20 minutes or so. Westfield. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great I wouldn't facility. call Indianapolis a city by any regards, but it's still a bigger city. Like there's things to do for families. Mm-hmm. Um, Iowa, Cedar Rapids has a big complex not necessarily a destination city uh, where people would go vacation. So it's hard, you know, Cincy flames again, Cincinnati's a big city, but I don't know how many people are taking summer vacations there. Uh, no, I, if they're not yeah. doing baseball. Um, yeah. So it's hard to balance where you send people and especially right now. So, you know, Lucas, we're in, we're in Illinois. Illinois has got much stricter um, guidelines and for everything that's going on than Indiana, Iowa, Missouri. So, all of my parents are asking, you know, are we going to go to Indiana and play? Are we going to go to, you know, are we going to get out of state? And you're trying to balance, you know, at least myself is who's got the money to stay in hotels every other yeah. weekend or every weekend. You know, it's without trying to, without being ignorant to everyone's situation. Um, you know, I want to play baseball, but I don't know if I want to make somebody go to, you know, in an hour and a half away where it's too far to commute back and forth but yeah the hotel is like lucas said is 140 150 a night i mean that's some people aren't working like i don't know everybody's personal situation and you know if you ask like people feel pressured if you ask a, a team of 12 players hey who wants to go and you've always got your majority gung-ho want to go and they're not affected by this and you've got two or three players which that makes the trip right like if you have a team of 12 and you have three guys that can't go financially you can't go yeah. So those three players feel obligated to say yes, and it puts them in a, you know a bind that they didn't expect to be in. And I you know I'm trying to be personally because I have teams that are want to do this sympathetic to that, and it's yeah. hard. You know, well, it's hard Lucas, to send people away. And Lucas, can you speak to the Airbnb situation that we always did, which I feel like is so much more economically sensible for families to do, but they're not allowed to do it because they're strong armed. You have to use the team hotels, right. or you guys forfeit. Lucas, tell yeah, tell, so- tell our listeners about Airbnb. <laughs> Well, a couple of things, and just to kind of like piggyback off Bobby's point, the the other thing to consider is when you are making these trips, I mean, you, you're playing until Sunday, you go back to your home city on Monday, Tuesday, and if you're playing on a Thursday, these parents have to take off like work sometimes, depending yes. on how far away it is, on Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they don't go to work. It's just like they're working two days out of the week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did Some Airbnb's of them don't and, mind that, though. <laughs> they yeah, like I know. The I know. Um, yeah, we did Airbnb's, and actually a lot of times – this is saucy, saucy tip right here. We, our parents would go in, uh, they'd go in on a fund to pay the fees to not stay in hotels because it was going to be less expensive yeah. 
to go get to into another hotel for a much lower rate and just pool their money to pay off the the fee for not staying at the sponsor right. hotel. Um, and yeah, Dan and I always did that when we traveled. We'd go Airbnbs, get a spot that's you know actually near the character of the city, yeah. and for half we'd, the price, yeah. for twice the stay, um, as opposed to staying in the state of play hotels. Well, and yeah, you can also, and, the big perk there is that you can buy groceries because you have a refrigerator, you have a kitchen. Like we stayed in a, you know, I think our one of our last ones, we were in Chicago and it was me and my, our assistant coach and his wife and then uh, my assistant coach and her girlfriend. So it was five of us in a house and we paid like 110 or 120 a night for five of us and we all bought groceries. So it was a low cost. We were eating healthier. We could pack food. You know, it's like so much, it's such a better experience than being in a hotel where you have to go eat out and you can't really keep perishable, right. healthy food. And if we just stop strangling everyone with these stupid hotel, you have to pay to play or play to, you know, stay to play that like that just right there. If everyone could stay in Airbnb, it helps, you know, local people renting out their homes, like the local economy, you can eat healthier. Like that probably cuts the cost of a family. Like feeding a family five is expensive. I mean, I have no experience in that, but it's eating out. Got to be expensive. Oh. Yeah, it's expensive just for well, me to eat out. Yeah, it sucks. And Dan, I know we talked about this before, but like, I don't understand. Like, the state of play and the gate fees are the two biggest things that all of my parents would bitch about, and they rightfully you so, because it it just feels so psychologically messed up to you're paying thousands of dollars to be on this team. Mm-hmm. And then you get hit every weekend with you have to stay in this hotel and you have to pay to get in. It's just like, why as a tournament company, like if you're that thirsty for money, I would like me as a coach, I'd much rather you just build it into the tournament fee. Right. That's and the, just like, that's it right there. You just have to be done. People, Make people it don't grand. like to be, people nickel don't like dimed. to be nickel yeah. and dimed. For it's sure. Just, I, like I'd rather, you know, if I go get my car fixed, like just give me the price. Don't tell me what the add-ons right. are. Like give me it, even if the you know if it's supposed to be a thousand bucks and I get nickel and dimed up to twelve hundred, just tell me twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. Like that's the same thing with the tournament companies. Now, obviously, that nickel and dime cost gets put on the parents as opposed to like the the team, the guy that runs the team, you know, us or whoever's running that team. But then you build that into your team fee, and you just tell parents like parents are more understanding if you just shoot them straight like. Uh, something similar is uh, we used to charge for uniforms separately, you know, make parents buy their uniforms whatever they want. And then after one year of doing that, I was like, we're done with this. Like the team fees going up, the uniforms included, no questions asked. And yeah. it, the amount of headaches it eliminated were just astronomical for me. And it, and, it, and they weren't, they were paying literally the same amount. I mean, they were, right. I, you know, they were paying the same amount, probably a little bit more, for me to do the uniforms just because they could don't have to buy a helmet, you know, two years ago or whatever. So it's, you know, these tournament, I'm not going to fault anybody for trying to make money. Like, you know, tournament companies and no, you can do that. You can do that. Like drug dealers. You can fault them for trying to make money. (laughs) It's a living, (laughs) right? Yeah. You you don't like, we don't know like some of these college fields, you know, we play at, uh, you know, my, one of my coaches runs Joliet, uh, slammer stadium, professional fighting, dog fighting rings. You can fault them too. Well, we could, but We don't yeah, continue on. Uh, so like the Juliet Slammers field, you know, we play some tournaments that advertise that as a field. I know that field is, is very, very expensive compared to, cause it's all turf. It's a stadium. So tournament companies are fronting that cost and the umpires. So there are costs. So, so it's not like these tournament companies are getting fields for free. Um, but 
at the same time, it's like you want, you, are you ever going to get what you pay for with some of these tournament companies? I don't think the, I think the answer is just absolutely no. Like you're just not going to get your value in that in that tournament fee from any of these tournaments because you you're not getting all 15 kids in your team recruited by sec schools. Like you might get one kid who gets noticed for good play and the rest of them go home wondering, you know, what the hell happened? You're just not going to get <clears throat> the value that parents perceive that they're going to get going to these big tournaments. So I don't yeah. know what, what's the, what's the fix? Like what's the perfect tournament well, scenario? Well, so I want to give some concessions. So some of the good things about the tournament format, um, there are some really strong tournaments, like basically some of the national ones, like, like some of the big PG ones. I don't know. I know prep baseball is doing like big things. I'm not aware of like where some of their bigger like national tournaments, but if you go to like the WWBA world series, like there's some very serious scouting at those. If you're a national level team, like a very, very legit team, um, but even then, like 15U, there's very little scouting because most 15U players aren't going off the board. So coaches aren't putting them, again, on their very efficient recruiting list. Like they're not going to spend three days on a 15U tournament because right. they're probably not going to sign any 15U kids, right? Um, so it's still the vast majority is at 17U and and to a lesser extent, 16U. And then um, you know, some of the destinations are really cool. For a lot of kids that won't play in college, playing on some of those big stadiums, though that's a very cool, like, fun experience like i totally get that and that's cool that someone can provide that for them i mean i, I never played in like vanderbilt's field when i was in high school that would have been amazing right like so that, there's some good right. stuff that comes of this like i personally really enjoyed being in nashville being in chicago like with my coaches staying in airbnb getting to feel the pulse of a new city like for like a, a single coach like that was fun um right there's, and like the travels like cool but again does that format need to exist i played baltimore metro baseball when I was uh, when I was coming up, and that was an extremely strong league, and it was obviously like the Baltimore metro area, so like within an hour of, of Baltimore, and that was like basically the format was there was eight or twelve teams in the league, and there was one team. So if you're sixteen, you know the sixteens, if you didn't make the Yankee Rebels or the Maryland Mariners or the Baltimore or the the Yaus, what are they call they're the Maryland Orioles. You just didn't play Metro. Like it was a strong league because there was one team, not Daddy right. Ball. It's like some I had some like old salty coach, and if you made that team, you were legit. Like you were good, and it was really good baseball. And you just traveled within like an hour radius, pretty much. Like Carroll County was as far as I would go um, from me being in Harford County growing up. But and basically, if you won the league, like you played, that was your summer. And right. if you won the league, you went to the Dizzy Dean World Series. And that was like a very legit tournament. And there was also, I think it's another, I think that was in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, but it was a cool old ballpark. I never got to go because our team never won. We were like a fourth-ish place team usually. And the Metro team would win that thing a lot. Like it was a really, really good league because there's really good baseball in the, in the Northeast and the, the metropolitan area. So that was a fine format. I got good. I got pushed. I competed. There were players better than me. There were got like Mark Deshera played in that league. Gavin Floyd played in that league. Anyone who was anyone in Baltimore in like the eighties, nineties, two thousands played in the Metro league. And there was not a thing wrong with that system. It wasn't super expensive. My dad was driving me to every game. My mom was driving me. There was nothing wrong with it. It was not broken. And scouts would find the best players because they knew they're going to be in the area. Any Maryland school, come on over. Like, you know, the Oriole, you know, the Oriole schedule coaches a call. Like it was, it was a fine system. Um, Lucas, what did you play growing up? What did you play Legion ball? Or like, what did you do? 
No, so I played on a I played on a travel team from ages eleven to well, essentially, I guess when I graduated high school. But I stayed on that team even in college. That team aged together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was very much a part of the current system. So it was a uh, you know six or seven tournaments over the course of the summer where you're leaving on a Thursday, playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and coming home with a Wednesday practice, Tuesday, Wednesday practice. Like that was all of my junior high and high school years for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was when I was playing, I mean, it was travel, local travel, 11 to 15. But when I was 16, I played on a team that was basically national. We were out of town every week. And when I was 17, uh, I lived in Southern Indiana, about six hours away from Chicago. I'm the sorry. Whole summer. I'm sorry about that. It was, yeah. it, it was, I've I got lived in Southern stories. Indiana too. Yeah. I'm sorry. Evansville, actually. That's where I was at. That's where I played. Yeah. I played there yeah. for the summer. The Princeton, swamp. Princeton, the Indiana. The swampiest air of, of all time. So, but, so you're talking like, I mean, we were in Kentucky, Georgia, Florida every weekend. I mean, those were, you know, to Dan's point, like those were big national tournaments. They were worth going to. The competition was great. But what the national tournaments are now, Aside from those venues, like I coach a fall team, actually the sweatshirt I'm wearing, um, it's an all-star fall team. And we go to, like we went to West Palm Beach, which was, we played at Jupiter, which is the Marlins complex. You know, kids don't get a chance to play on yeah. minor, you know, spring training fields all that yeah, often. That's a cool experience for sure. And I there were, that. and there were, you know, a hundred schools there and pro scouts. And we were only 15 years old, a 15 U team. So it was a big time event. Now the, the thing of that is, is those tournaments like that are invites. So if you want to get to those, like you need to be with a team that's either got kids signed already, or you're with an organization that has a history of getting kids to high level college. Yeah. So it's not like you can't, you can't just, Lucas can't just start a team, you know, his son's 15 years old get the local kids and then go play in these nice tournaments as like a, you know, a, a reward to these kids, they're not going to be invited. So it's like you, you almost, you have to be with a organization that can get you to some of those tournaments. And then if you're not, then, you know, again, if you're 15 yeah. years old, 16 years old, how are you going to get professional scouting, especially with the new draft rules? You're probably, you're not on that radar. And if you are, you're already on one of these teams. Like there's, you know, the well, system pro, pro essentially scout, is pro broken. scouts don't go to like you know we both know a couple of scouts pro scouts don't go to 15 u games they just don't they're going to no, 17 if, 18 u games right right they're, they're, they're looking for the draft they're not, they're not anywhere close to looking at kids that yet. right but so we did look, have some pro scouts at this 15 u tournament and you know grant we saw some guys that were legitimate pro prospects they were throwing 90 to 92 in their freshman in high school you know we have a kid on our good? team that's right. Lucas, what would you do to fix the system? Like well, if you were consulting for a local organization and they said, Hey Lucas, we want to, we want to make the best experience possible. What would you say that we do? Um, so you could design their system. What would you do for a team? I don't know. I like, I feel like that's a really, really big question. I feel like the, the, the issue that a lot of the issues that we are facing have arisen from, like I was saying earlier, this like weird escalation of, of like, the whole travel thing in general. Like for example, uh, I know a couple of the local organizations I've worked with in the past have been like, basically they have, and this is almost a derogatory term now, but they have like in-house leagues, right? So you take, you take everybody who wants to play baseball and you, you know, you set up a league where 
you know, whether you divide it by age or by talent level or whatever, it's a local league that you're not, there's almost no travel expense, but you're playing a shitload of baseball. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, I mean, it's almost like the pro model. You have the legitimate, really, really good talent, the invite only talent that actually is justified to be in front, to be traveling and to be in front of scouts. Um, and that model works. The problem is when you are disgruntled that you're not making it to a travel team, you go, well, shit, I'm just going to make my own travel team and I'm going to set up my own travel schedule. And then that evolves into what we have now, which feels like a kind of like a desaturation of talent across, across well, the board. Like the, the, Dan, I know you know this better than anybody that the like dynamic range of talent that we would see at tournaments was like, it was crazy. Crazy. Yeah. crazy. Like you just get your ass kicked and then you turn around and then you, the next team you played would just be a joke. Just laughable. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, re- I think the real issue is the perception of value in the tournaments in just playing in the team That's you true. may be on, you know, the, I think the, the fundamental change in what tournaments like in how tournament baseball is going to be viewed is in the education of what recruiting actually is for okay. 16 to 18 year old players. That was going to be my point is like the, if you were to sit down a kid, a kid or a parent and you were to ask them like, what do you want from your travel baseball experience? And the answer is I want to get recruited. That has to like stop. Now, if your answer is to say, well, like I want to travel, I want to play at some like new places or I just want to play baseball. Cause that was the other thing I was going to ask you guys is I don't have a good sense of, cause like objectively the good things of the tournament model are, uh, potential to play it on cool fields. Um, like the, the, as a coach having the schedule set for you and like the umpires there and all that kind of stuff is great. Right. But how, like, what is the actual value of playing at, you know, Northwestern's field or, or Vandy's field? Like, I understand that's cool. And I benefited from that a little bit when I was young, but at the end of the day, it's like, here's what my experience was. It was showing up to the par- ballpark and being like, Oh my God, this is sweet. And then the game starts and you forget that you're playing there. And then it's seven innings go by and you went, Oh yeah, I played on their field. Like the actual like value that I got from it was little. It's like I could, I could play at a high school field just the same and I'm still playing baseball. It's not as fun in the first, in the warmup, but that's about it. Well, and I mean, and we had Lucas, you and I had thought about doing this was like, look, one of the the problematic things was we had a kid who was really good. Well, we we had a lot of kids who were really good. One of them was, we were in talks with the local school, Illinois State, about coming to watch one of our kids, and he really wanted to come see him. He's like, "All right, when's he going to be in town?" And it's like we weren't, we didn't have another local tournament scheduled for I think the rest of the summer, or maybe for like four weeks away. And recruiting is time sensitive, like especially in the summer. Like they might spend their money in the month of June, and then if they see a guy in July, like they've spent some of their scholarship money. They don't have much left. So we're like, "Oh, so you guys both live in the same town, but yet." if you want to come see him, you have to drive to Indianapolis to see him play. It's like, right. this is the stupidest thing. Like, why don't we just call up the other like four or six really good teams in our area? We'll do a round Robin. We'll call every college within 75 miles and say, Hey, all the good teams in the area are playing this weekend here locally. Come watch us. They'd be like, awesome. That's great. One-stop shop for recruiting. Like we'll make that work on our schedule. We'll send, we'll send somebody out. Even if, you know, a lot of recruiters are already got their schedule set. That makes so much sense. And then if you want to do like one big trip to like a, you know, a big tournament just to do it, 
so be it. But the problem is that when every team is doing this tournament schedule, you can't find any other teams to like break away from it. Like again, like what Lucas said earlier, if you don't do the tournament schedule, you're just playing a couple of trash local teams that don't do the tournament schedule because they're just not very good at all. Whereas if we all broke away unified and we could say, Hey, let's do the first half of the summer and we'll all play local, all these really good teams will book field. So team a books a field, you know, and we make it like a league. And then after that, we'll say there's two weekends for our local area to like go travel. So we'll do like, Two thirds of the summer is local. One third is we go do some like national level stuff, whatever. But like, right? If we all organize, you can break the system. If no one organizes and everyone's still doing it, you can't. You can't do it. It's just untenable because again, there's no one good to play if everyone's out traveling every weekend in a tournament and you can't just break into a tournament. And that's what's really. That's why this needs to change now. Like coronavirus is making it. It's possible now to break this system. Just don't go back to it. Talk to local coaches. Don't go back to it. And it'll break. They'll have to start conceding stuff. They want people to go back to the tournaments. They're going to say, all right, we won't charge you for hotels. We won't charge a stupid gate fee or whatever it is. And if that means they go under, so be it. But And they might have to raise their fees to 1800 bucks, but they're not going to nickel and dime you anymore. And you can stay cheap right. or whatever it is. I mean, Well, and again, another part of this is, Bobby, imagine, you know, Dan, right, rewinding the clock six years or five years and you and I are having this conversation, having this conversation with our parents and they go, and they go, well, how are we going to get recruited? And it's like, yeah, you wouldn't have been recruited anyway for that, like in that way. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I can tell you that you're going to save a thousand dollars on our team fees or $1,500 on our team fees because we're not traveling every, every and you're going to save $3,000 in travel that you won't spend. Right. And then you can go to 10 PBR events. You can and go to every play, one. Yeah. You can go to every PBR event you can play more games. You can probably play 25% more games just because you can mm-hmm. organize the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, where if there is recruiting interest, we'll know exactly when our arms are, are going because it's basically like a mini season. Yeah. Like it's, there are a lot of benefits to it. And you don't run into that situation that we've both been in because we both cared for the health of our pitchers and we've seen many teams that absolutely just don't. Where you get to, you know, you get to Sunday in a big tournament a really big one. You have to win six games to make it a Sunday. You might play eight. No one has the arms for eight games in three days. No one, no one, a big right. league team doesn't. And so right. you get to this point where Lucas and I have been many times where it's like, I kind of hope we lose today because I'm not going to abuse a kid's arm. Like we don't have, like we've had five kids through four plus innings, five plus innings. And then we have three other kids that already pitched once or twice, one or two innings each. Like we're legit spent. And these, all these kids are playing in the field. You know, that little kid that started had to play short a day later. Like, kids' arms get worn the hell out. And then you get to Sunday and you're like, uh, I have literally no options. And I just kind of hope we play well and it's not in the cards so that I don't hurt some kid's future. And that it's that's the, pro- the big problem with this. Like, Lucas and I always felt that, yeah, we want to win and we, we're competitive and we want the kids to have a great time, but we also kind of don't want to make it to Sunday if that means shortening a kid's lifespan in baseball. Which is a whole nother can of worms we haven't gotten into yeah. that the, the, the format of for that reason and the institution of mercy rules, you get into these weird yeah. situations as a coach where either you're rooting for your team to lose or you're beating the absolute piss out of a team because you're trying to get to 10 runs in five innings so that you only have to throw one guy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it just gets into like some hairy, like it stops becoming baseball sometimes when you're playing yeah. a tournament because you're, or you're throwing a game because you're three and zero, and you don't you don't need the last pool play game. So it's just like 
it gets weird sometimes. Time just limits. On, yeah. yeah, time limits. All oh that my stuff. God. Yeah, we were calling, calling time so you run out the clock. Like that kind of stuff is gross. Brutal. And that always That's made brutal. me the most uncomfortable. And it's all inherent because of the tournament model. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's it really it's not so much the tournament model, it's the bracket playoff right. model. That, yeah, it's that's not, what I mean. Like because we do yeah. move it along. Yeah. Yeah. We do tournaments where like you go down to the Music City in Nashville, it's five games. That's it. Like your five games are scheduled the whole weekend and then they're like if you go five and oh, that's it. Your tournament's over. If you which, go on five, your tournament's over. Which is a great I think in the tournament model like hierarchy, that's a that's a pretty solid way to do it, I think. But at the same token, like you're going, like we're going to Nashville and we set up a hotel for our parents and we're playing at five different fields. One of them might be an hour and a half from our hotel. One of them might be five minutes from the hotel. Like it's just the, the, like the logistically, you know, it's a, it's a crapshoot, you know, flip a coin. It, you may, you may get to play at the feature field Vanderbilt. You may never play at the feature field and only play at the local high school field five times, which parents do get upset about. I can understand that. Like you go to Nashville, it says Vanderbilt tournament on there. You know, they've advertised Vanderbilt, like they're throwing it in your face. And then one team's got three games there and you don't have any. And and you're just left wondering, you know, what the hell? Well, that, and I would much rather play in a tournament like that, where it's like, you know, these are your five games. Yeah, yeah. you set your rotation. You know, families you can, can tell like everybody. Stuff. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, if your like, son's if your son's a multi-sport guy, like, hey, you're gonna pitch on Sunday. Don't come down till Saturday night. You know, be, go to your football huge, training. You know, you've got football in the summer, whatever. That's another great point. Is like it would allow much more flexibility with multi-sport guys. Right. Well, and it's like no, literally, no one cares about you winning a tournament. I mean, it's like fun right. for a day, and then no one cares. Yeah. It's yeah. Or or even worse, winning the bronze bracket. Yeah. 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 You don't feel good about that. No. <laughs> Especially when you find a weird exhaust. thing. It's like they're giving you a yeah. medal and you're like, What? But there's guys that are all there's I, like twelve teams that are better than us. It's weird. I hated playing silver bracket because it was like we knew like our team the teams I coach were very consistently like always on the border of making it to gold bracket on Sunday, and then inevitably get bumped to silver and then run the table. And it's like, Oh my God, we have to play eight games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the number of games is like the benefit, I guess, like you get your money's worth quote unquote, but at yeah, the expense sure. of what, like the expense of staying there on Sunday until seven o'clock at night, you know, having to throw this guy who started game one of the tournament a third time just to get through the last game of the tournament. Like, but like, what's, like, what's the benefit at that point? Nobody's five there. Games, Nobody's five there games in three days is like, the perfect like that's it more than enough yeah like six games in three days is tough right yeah yeah and if you you don't get through a game with a starter which every i mean kids just implode on the mound it's spectacular (laughs) i mean you're you're screwed i mean if one of your starters especially if you're like a kind of thin staff a starter goes two innings sometimes you almost hope to get 10 run rolled so you don't burn arms and that sucks too like everything about that time limit run differential determining who goes on all that whole system just sucks it just sucks and like you said with the i remember i got accused in one of my last games of trying to run out the clock because we were ahead by like two runs three runs and the time limit was coming down and i hadn't made a visit i don't believe all game and when i make visits they're like real visits like we talk about stuff like i help them it's not just nonsense and i don't 
I don't run out there all the time. I'm not like there's security blanket either, but like we, it was, you know, the other team was down by two runs with like one of the last innings. And my team, my pitcher was like getting kind of wild and getting kind of nervous and like putting guys on base. Guess what? When the game's on the line and your pitcher's not super under control, it's a good time for a mound visit. Right. And this right. coach was like yelling at me from the other dugout saying that I was like, trying to run out the clock it's like no dude i'm trying to win a baseball game because i'm a baseball guy like i'm not an idiot like you who and right. like it's just such a baffling thing and then there, like you said there are people that are legit just running out there just talking about nothing trying to run out the clock it's like let's just yeah. play baseball can we just do that and no it, we can't do that we need no, to we can't. we can't do that we need to manipulate the system. It, the worst is when it happens in like youth baseball, like young eleven-year-old kids, where you're, you're like, oh, let's let's slow walk it out to the mound. Like that eleven-year kid doesn't need a a pep talk. Like he doesn't even know what sport he's playing. Just or let like, him go. Like just let him go. You know the time limit. Coach- oh, there's three minutes left, and you're gonna and you got the balls to walk out there and talk to this kid. Like really, the kid thinks he, he thinks he's at swim practice. Like just let him let him go. He thinks he's at swim practice. <laughs> Weird. Well, I've got some. I've got some interesting players. <laughs> well, and like when I coached thirteen U, that was like the fact that they knew that there was a time limit. The fact that they knew there were run rules. That that was the number one question I got in like innings five, six, seven was how much time is left. And I'm like, this is literally the exact we're we're doing right the exact opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed yeah. to be playing. Focus running out the clocks. So we win this game. It's so dumb. And yeah. it's it makes baseball like every other sport where there's a clock involved. Like baseball yeah. is supposed to be a sport with no clock. It's, and I get the time limit. Like you get it. Like everybody understands why they do it. But at some point, it's okay. Well, are we just milking the this bottom of the fifth so we don't have to play a sixth inning? Like, we'll just go. Just let's do it. But do whatever. Play the game. If you were to shrink the size of these tournaments, make them smaller, change the format. So it's, you know, a five game guarantee or whatever, then you wouldn't, and you only had, you know, 20, 30 teams instead of 80, 90, then you wouldn't have to, you know, have an hour 45 time limit, which the yeah. fact that you would try to play seven innings in some of the time restrictions was laughable, but right. Yeah. So let's transition. Lucas, last thing I want to cover with you is um, as a strength coach, what is superfluous? What is important? What can, athletes do at home to really impact and stay fit and strong and ready for the season. So there's a lot of stuff you could do. You could follow a Instagram influencer and learn 11 different variations of a hip bridge and do all these weird things, new things every day. But what's actually important and what are you recommending people do? So here's the, the thing that I've been telling all of our athletes is like the concern is with the amount of time that we are forced to stay outside of a gym, we are, everyone's regressing, everyone's getting weaker, everyone's getting out of shape, which if they choose to do nothing at all is probably going to happen. Now it happens slower than I think people think it does. Um, but oops, sorry. Um, the number one thing that we know is you can maintain gains that you've made in strength or in fitness uh, even under like really low volumes, if you are able to maintain high intensities. Now, the problem that we're running into is how do you maintain a high intensity when, you know, you're working out at home? Here's what I tell all my athletes is like the, the stupid stuff where you're like loading your a laundry basket full of books and <laughs> putting it on your head and doing Bulgarian split squats is like 
you can do that kind of stuff if you want. I don't know if that makes you feel better. If it has a mental therapeutic effect, then go ahead. But it's not helping you be a better athlete in any way. Um, so like one of the things I've told my athletes is like, if you get out and sprint two days a week, like that goes a really long way in terms of maintaining strength gains because sprinting is obviously a really high intensity activity. Uh, and doing it twice a week is more than enough to preserve or at least delay the, the decay of any of the strength gains that you gained prior. Um, but like, I don't know, like with this, a lot of the stuff that, and that seems like an oversimplification, right? It's like, okay, well sprint two days a week and what else? And like, when it comes to that, what else stuff, like the, I tried to be really patient with some of the social media stuff. Cause it, people needed guidance. They needed a, they needed voices telling them what they can be doing at home. But now I'm just like, I can't, like, I can't go on Instagram anymore because if I have to watch somebody else do some the, like hip thrusting with someone sitting on your hips is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And I like, I understand why people are doing it. It's because they have nowhere else to turn, but what, what, what are we, what are you talking about? Hip, <laughs> hip, hip thrusting with, with somebody sitting on your, have you guys seen this? No. I have, so that, I, like, I want, I need to see this. <laughs> well, it so yeah, it'd be someone, someone sitting on your hips and then you're thrusting them into the air and it looks exactly like you would think it looks like, uh, that's and it's exactly like, what I'm picturing. Yeah. It's like, what, for what, why, why are we doing this? And the reason is so you can put it on Instagram, but, um, so yeah, it's like, that's like my biggest thing. It, so, and I think I heard you guys mention this in a past brushback where it's like, all right, so if I'm sprinting, what are the, can I just like be an adaptive human being? Like, what are the things that I can do that are not completely stupid? Uh, can I do push-ups? Can I do chin-ups? Guaranteed that you can find a spot to do, uh, now's a great time to do single leg variations of stuff. Uh, where like, just speaking for myself, I haven't been able to do a pistol squat since I was like, I don't know if I've ever been able to do a pistol squat in my life. Um, cause I'm a big fat guy. And so I've been doing that. And it's like, that's been more than enough to elicit, uh, like some muscle soreness, make me feel like I'm doing something. Um, uh, so it's like, if you're sprinting, now's a great time to do push-ups and push-up variations to do chin-ups and chin-up variations, and then unilateral stuff. So single leg stuff. And it's like, if you're doing that and you're doing that two, three times a week, that's a more than enough to buy you time until you're able to get back in the gym. Yeah, and how do you sure. how do you feel about gyms reopening as far as the cleanliness? Like, do you think they're going to go back to normal? Do you feel like it's going to be slow? Like with your weight room at Heartland, like how, what do you feel like the future of say all commercial gyms open on June one? Like, how does that look? So this is, this is interesting. So like Heartland, like the, the place I'm at now is just, uh, so I, I also teach and that's so why I teach a, a strength training class, which part of it is like getting into the gym and they're, they're kind of holding off the decision on whether or not I'm going to be able to teach that class in the fall. And it's like, look, there is no, like it's binary, right? There is no middle ground where we just like touch stuff a little bit. So with gyms, if you, if you're going to open them up, they're going to be the dirtiest places like it's in, in Dan knows this better than anybody that when we owned a facility, Bobby, you know this too. Yeah. You can, you can say all day long that you're going to keep it spotless, but it's just gyms are so hard to keep clean. And it's just like so much fluid gets exchanged at gyms that it's. And so I, I don't know. I know that they're saying that gyms might be one of the, like the um, early openers, but 
you can say, all right, well, we're going to reduce volume. So we're going to have this many people out in the gym at one time. And then we're going to put in buffers in between groups so that we can like disinfect all. It's like, right. That's going to be really, really difficult to do. And it's, it's one of those things that if, if just like a little bit of COVID gets through, then the system's broken. So it's like, I, there's going to come a point where it's just like, it's either going to be gyms aren't open or everything is open. Cause that's the other thing I find fascinating is the idea behind the like phasic reopening is the fact that you think you can let people trickle back in is insane. People, right. once people sniff that they can, that things are getting back to normal, it's going to be all bets are off. Yeah. And I think it's more like perception with people like, if you think the gym is dirty and it's and it's going to be like not safe for you to go to, then you're probably going to see nobody at the gym. I I have I'm under the feel I'm under the impression that once gyms open or once anything opens, like there is going to be an absolute flood of people going to yeah. whatever's open. Like it, gyms gyms are already like you said gyms are already dirty. You know if you if you didn't catch something at the gym before, like you probably got the same statistically like chance of catching whatever else now that they re open and everybody does a decent job of well let me rephrase that there are options to disinfect like the bench with the spray and the they've got paper towels at most gyms which like, i hate I doing go, which i never do I never did it. never did that well you're a part part of the i'm issue a bad day. i'm a bad i'm a bad person yeah yeah but the gyms are like you take the risk going to a gym regardless you take the risk going to you know touching <clears throat> as like sweaty people laying on the mat you take that risk like using that same mat, whether there's a pandemic flu or just disgusting hygiene in general. Well, I think the difference is that, I mean, we talk about how coronavirus is transmitted through the tiny droplets, which they can be really, really tiny, like almost like the mist coming out of your mouth, which again, I don't think is a problem like running around, being outside, walking. But when you're in a gym and you're out of breath and you're those are going to be like bigger droplets than when you're just breathing. And they're going to be bigger droplets when you're coughing after you're tired. Like, I mean, exercise yeah. makes you react in weird ways. And there's going to be more of that on your hands, on your, like the way that people are getting infected from this, it's going to be, I think it's going to still be very heavy in commercial gyms rather than anyone else. Like standing in line in a crowded restaurant has got to be way safer than being in a gym where people are coughing and they're, and they're sure. out of breath and they're huffing and puffing. There's and there's just, yeah, more there's, there's so liquid. many fluids. So there's so many fluids inside of you that uh, when you work out, come God, outside. Stop, stop, yeah. stop. Just th think about the most disgusting person at your local gym. Like you avoid that guy at all costs. Now, well, and like, now all I'm, you're giving me is that like Lucas and Dan, your descriptions are just making me picture that guy. And I want to throw up. Yeah. The naked guy <laughs> just spread Eagle in the locker room. I don't, I, didn't, I probably, didn't miss him. He's that guy's probably the cleanest guy. He doesn't know he's what always, to do. He's always washing. Dude, I was in, I was like, it was like my third day in the YMCA here in DC. And I walk in, there's this naked guy cutting his toenails. It's like, go to your home. Oh Do you have a home? <laughs> you must have a home. This place costs $100 a month. You must have a home. Oh, Don't cut God. your fingernails here or your toenails. It's just, it's disgusting. Like that's not an okay public. You can what's, groom yourself in your home. Like what's the uh, most well. disgusting thing somebody could do at a public, at a, Low, your local well, gym. there's a uh, let's not. There could be so many. I mean, things. no, I mean, no. I need your one. I got, I got the one that I know that I think is what, is what? With, without getting without well, getting. You can't like, say you can't open up to anything. Like a guy could like all right, all right, take all right. a dump in a smoothie. <laughs> like okay, I don't well, know. Yeah. Like that's why this is a bad <laughs> question. But I mean, you have to put a cap on this. So, what's the most disgusting thing you've seen 
done at done at your local gym. I can tell you what I find the most disgusting is the yeah, guys that sh- reference here. All right, so the yeah. guys that shower and walk around with no flip-flops on m- makes me want to throw up. I don't know why. Maybe because from being in a locker room so much, like I mean, that's gross. But we're not in we're not in the jungle. You're not getting hookworms from walking. Like, like it's gross. But at the end of the day, it's not like that I doesn't mean, bother me that for much. me. It's it's simple stuff. Like when I because like being a strength coach, you sort of like you're always sort of aware of the amount of grossness going on, just because you know, and just like sitting in a gym for thirty minutes and you see the amount of people that cough or sneeze or make contact with their face with their hands, and then they immediately go to a dumbbell. And so it's just like those interactions of like face to hand to dumbbell to hand to face happen literally hundreds of times in a gym. I got got another one. I got another one. The really hairy guy at the gym that decides to wear just a tank top that (laughs) is not – it's like a – it's like a – if a strong gust of wind, a thing would just dissolve into the air. Right. That guy – makes me want to throw up and he's always using the most popular machines he's always touching everything he's i'm talking he's got hair growing on hair like he's just i i now can think of it okay here's mine so if you are foreign to a gym and you're staring at a bench there's usually depending on how the bench is designed there's usually a pretty um obvious head spot and butt spot so like your head goes on this side your butt goes on this side I was looking, I was in the gym one time and this very large individual man who did not look well-kempt was doing dumbbell bench. And at the end of his bench set, he sat up, right? And then he stood up. And when he stood up, he had a big old swass mark. We all are familiar with what that looks like, right? And then this poor, innocent little college girl came and she did chessport rows, but she put her head on the wrong side. It was. Uh, and he didn't clean that bench when he was done. So uh, I, got I, another, I got one more. I got one more. So I, I don't know if you guys use the sauna. Like my gym has a sauna. Like go in the sauna, you know, sweat it out. Sitting next to somebody in the sauna who's doing who's doing this, like like throwing the sweat ooh, off. Ooh, but, uh, the, uh, but the uh, sound, the sound of of that, like like get like squeegeeing sweat off your body. I'm going to throw, I'm going to leave and throw up. Like I'm literally going to throw up thinking about this. That is the most disgusting thing at the gym. That is, I win. I have to win. Right. <laughs> other than, other than Dan talking about, other than somebody making my chocolate smoothie with their own with feces, <laughs> that is the most disgusting. That's oh, the sound. Yeah. It's not even like, I don't even need to look at him. I can hear it and I want to throw up and punch him in the face. I mean, that's, that's, that's gross. Yeah. That's a completely feasible gym experience that everyone will have. But Bobby, you're right. Like when, when, if, when we do transition to the new normal, uh, gyms are the first place people want to go. Like everybody's like thirsty to get into a gym. Yeah. And it's gyms, restaurants, like places where you're probably a little more social than being at your house. But that guy squeegeeing his sweat needs to get his gym membership taken away. He needs to be like, he needs to be, I don't know, publicly shamed. I'll do it. I'm happy. Well, you I'm wonder if they're just going to close saunas and stuff like that. Like, just like, look, this is a big risk. Only old gross dudes are going in here. Like, we don't really need oh, this anymore. God. I think it makes sense to just like fill the fill it with concrete. Just like <laughs> goodbye oh, saunas. Because so I'm, disgusting. I don't like saunas anyway, so I would never use one. But that big seems like guy. I think a lot of those little communal spaces like that are 
are not good are not going to be well used by people number one and are probably just like look this is a, a trying to mitigate health risk that seems like something that should just be permanently closed and like the gone. sweaty guy with the with the ladle and over the hot coals to get the steam in there all, all oh. of it's great. You're, this is your own fault for being in a sauna with other Ooh. men you don't know like that's just your own yeah, fault. So, uh, gross you can correct gross. me if I'm wrong your experience your sauna experience is just you sitting in there and then like dry heaving the whole time yeah <laughs> While you're watching it's so nasty in a, in one of those gym towels with the orange stripe down the middle. That's only this big. That's right. how everybody just decides to wear it. Like locker rooms are a terrible a, place. Just the uh, public. And um, I haven't worked out in a commercial gym until just now, now that I moved and they're not, they're not my favorite places. It's so nasty. Sometimes I even forget about myself is I'm used to, private gyms mostly, which are difficult to keep clean, but you maybe can make an argument that you have a chance. Commercial gyms, you can forget about it. They're too big. People are too gross. And there's, there's just no way. Yeah. It's uh, it's, and I think they're just going to change in general because right now commercial gyms rely so heavily, so heavily on people signing up that never go because they're way over. They're so, I, I want, I want to say they're like some like 10 times above capacity, right? Like fire marshal capacity. Like they have to be to make the numbers work. And people are going to cancel and people are not going to just continue to pay their $10, $40, $75 a month gym membership when they just know they're not going to go back and that it's unsafe, potentially, you know, potentially unsafe. Like, I don't think they're going to hang on to them like they used to. Like your uh, $10 a month gyms where it's just strictly like weights, like, like the the more country, the planet fitness fitnesses I think are, are in big trouble. I think more like the country club gym type. Like I like to play racquetball, so my gym has a racquetball court. So like, mm-hmm. I'd still want to go there to do that, even if I don't touch any of the weights. Like pool, something where you can't really have it. I think those gyms will be more sustainable. Or like they'll they're more expensive. Don't get me wrong, but there's a reason to join those. Where like the plan of fitness, I I don't want to be around a plan of fitness. The what do they call a clunker? A the 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 buzzer, the, the lunk, lunk alarm, lunk, lunk. alarm. I, don't well, I agree. With you. I mean, it's I think it's a good point. The margins on Planet Fitness aren't great to begin with, so the fact that you're going to be eating away at that even more, it's like, yeah, away. yeah. And There's I think a convenience you're right. I think, I think those social fitness sports are going to grow. Like, I think people will love and feel safe going to play racquetball, even though they've never done it before, with one person in a box. It's like you're in a quarantined <laughs> room, essentially. Um, like a mouse, like watching two mice run around just, in a little yeah. shoebox. Yeah, like I'm thinking of the health club that we grew up with in my town. And like it's a big place, lots of different activities to do. Like there's more places to yeah. be than just the weight room. I think that I think those places will be the ones that people are more excited and feel safe going back to rather than the ones where, like you said, it's just a little boxed up gym. Yeah, they with feel lots more like of a, equipment. Yeah. They feel more social, like a social club. Like there's a, well, there's people are dying a restaurant for so, or bar. Yeah, people right? are dying for social activities. And like I would yeah. for sure go play racquetball with somebody right now if I had any friends. <laughs> like <laughs> so, I tell you what, it's like, getting to the point. Sure. It's getting to the point where I might actually strike up a conversation with squeegee sweat guy in the sauna. Like You know things are getting dire. Uh, he's probably like, got some, some good stories. Like imagine where, where else does, does he not, do Marv Marv does not want to talk to you. His name where is, is for sure Marv. He, where does he do these disgusting things other than the sauna like he's probably got great stories dinner parties he's a great guest he's the one right. he wears a tank top hairy tank top to dinner parties and he's yeah, he's entertaining showering his friends with sweat <laughs> yeah well on that note <laughs> we're, we're gonna wrap up for the day lucas good to see yes. you thanks for coming on yeah. good luck with your um your massless runs we appreciate it lucas is there anywhere 
you'd like people to follow up with you on the web or website or anything? Nope. 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 In, incognito. So yep. um, just pretend Lucas was never here. He's a nowhere man. <laughs> you can find him on his nowhere land. Uh, <laughs> what's, right. the rest of the, what's the rest of the verse? Doing all his uh, nowhere things for nobody. Doing all his nowhere things with nobody or something? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it was good to see you. We appreciate your perspective. This was, I think we had a really good bit about tournaments. I was glad to talk about that because I really, for the good of the parents and the kids in the country, I think it's time for baseball, amateur baseball to change. And I hope that changes. Like, I think it's a good change. And I hope tournament companies can find other ways to, you know, keep their employees and do whatever they do. Like some businesses are just going to go under and it's probably going to be a bunch of them, but hopefully they can adapt and find some new model that serves the community better. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, well, two things. Number one, the, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. I think both can exist. It's just that the tournament model shouldn't be the uh, bulk of the innings played. And uh, Dan, I was going to say, this might be the first time in a very long time that I've been on a podcast with you where we had a list of things that we, first of all, wanted to discuss before we started and then didn't even get to them all. I know. We didn't cover. What did we not cover? Distance running for... Oh, yeah. Value of distance running in general, which my body's got some feels about it. I've been running, but it's it's like, damn, we need to go fast. This slow thing is getting old. But anyway, I digress. The arm injury Bobby, thing. But... Yeah. Bobby, read us out. We'll have Lucas back on another time. Another round Lucas, robin. Lucas, good to see you. Always a uh, pleasure, Bobby. Join us Friday. We're we're just gonna talk Friday. I think I don't think we've got a set mystery schedule. guest. Maybe it's a wild card. Friday's we've wild got, card we, day. Maybe okay. we'll have Lucas back. Talk about straight distance running. But thanks for watching. We'll see everybody Friday morning, nine a.m. Eastern time.